0: This is a special announcement. Please do not skip over it. Next week is our Halloween episode of the Smug Film Podcast. And we want to hear from you. We want to hear about the time you were most scared by a movie. Tell us by leaving us a voicemail at 718 395 9711, and we may play it on our Halloween episode. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show, and don't look now, but behind you, there is a spider covered in ghosts and dracula's don't look don't look oh no it's about to grab you just kidding now please enjoy the show
1: welcome to the smug film podcast i'm your host cody clark with me today one on one is john D'Amico. yo all right so we just got back From seeing a movie together, we just saw a movie nobody's ever heard of that is out in theaters now, which is Rob Zombie's 31. Rob Zombie's inexplicably titled 31, also. Yes, very inexplicably. Yeah. Kind of never makes sense, really, why it's called 31. Doesn't quite add up. But uh, we should should explain what the hell this movie is, because I think the vast majority of people listening, even horror fans that are listening this month, because they just want to hear us talk about... A lot, a lot of horror movies, they probably haven't even heard of this one because apparently it's a very limited release. It's only playing in one theater here in New York. It's playing at Empire 25 like four times, and we went to see it, and there was, I guess, eight people in the theater? It filled out a little
2: more uh, towards the middle. It was a lot of people coming in late, surprisingly. Yeah. So maybe
1: I'll be charitable and say 15
2: people probably were at it.
1: I think that's generous. I think it'd probably been closer to 10, but... Man, when we got in, we were stoked because it seemed like we were just going to be the only ones in the theater.
2: Yeah, it wasn't the case.
1: No. Um,
2: yeah, so uh, Rob's on me. I don't really know why this happened to him because I think all of his other movies, except for the cartoon he did, had like pretty wide releases.
1: Yeah, there was... Or did Lords of Salem tank that hard? I feel like it, it had like a wide release, maybe probably too wide for it. That's my favorite one. I know your your favorite's Halloween too, right? Devil's Rejects, Devil's and Rejects. Halloween two, yeah. Okay, and uh, yeah, I guess Lord of S- Lords of Salem must have done pretty terribly because this one got buried. This has been snowed under in a month that really seems like they would give it a shot. And yeah, this got the release that I guess that cartoon one that he did, the Super Bisto, if I if I remember correctly, is if that's what it's called. Uh, yeah, the the Super Bisto. Yeah, that one got what it, I assume in the same release as this one, and so yeah. Thirty-one is is his next movie, guys. If you're listening to this, it's an actual film.
2: Yeah, we're we're discussing a real Rob Zombie movie that
1: came out, feature
2: length, starring all the same people. You
1: got your Sherry Moon. Yeah, you got your Rob Zombie surrogate guy with the beard. But I guess
2: this is the point in his career now where he's not the uh, he's he's not a draw now. Right. So now, if you're if you're a Rob Zombie fan now. You gotta, I guess, kind of have a Google News alert because nobody's gonna become telling you about them. Apparently,
1: you kind of do. Came I,
2: this close to missing this one.
1: I think the only reason I heard about this one was because Rick Harper saw like a pretty early, weird, probably Canadian, barely a screening screening of it, and really dug it. And then it disappeared for a while. And then I'm just checking like what horror movies are out now, just because I'm I'm in the mood to see a movie, uh, a horror movie in the in the theaters. And I saw that this one was out and it's only out for like a couple of days. So I was like, fuck, we got to go see this one. So here's the, the open question. Do you think this got a limited release and
2: got buried because it's very definitively his worst movie
1: since his first movie? I mean, that's that's what makes sense. I don't want to bury. We shouldn't bury the lead here. This isn't a good movie. Per I se. regret
2: to inform you that this is his worst movie since House of a Thousand Corpses. This is coming as a Rob Zombie fan. This was not a good movie.
1: And for a a director that's, I feel like, really grown...
2: Yeah, this was a regression. Yeah. Because it almost conceptually rolled right back to House of a Thousand Corpses, where it was just sort of like weird costumes in kind of weird sets and hoping that would hold you.
1: Well, I would almost believe that this was a movie that he made ages ago that got buried like it almost has that feel it almost feels like he made it pre the halloweens and pre lords of salem tell, tell the people what it's about all right so it's a very very bare premise um very little setup it's that a group of people a group of adults i should say which is i think one of the best aspects about it and one of the best things that it has going for it this is a movie with a cast of people that are like 40 years older 40 years or older
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is rare. It's a slasher premise with an older cast, which is Mm -hmm. pretty cool.
1: Which is great, which is a great place to start from just as far as casting. And you get some interesting faces because of it and you get some, I don't know, I think a better vibe. I think this movie would have suffered if it had a younger cast. But the premise is that these people get abducted uh, from their van and they get taken to this uh, kind of a, it's called a game. They keep calling it a game, which is 31 which is you got these really, really rich people dressed up in rich regalia, and they're talking about you have to... Yeah, s- the
2: pre-French Revolution style stuff that, um, that Hunger Games was doing. Exactly. There's a lot of imagery and a lot of stuff in this movie that's stuff other movies are doing right now.
1: Yep. And they announced that you have to survive for 14 hours while these presumably like serial killer kind of people are out to get you, like these big bads, so to speak. Yeah, and they send them in one at a time, uh, like a video game. Right, for a couple hours each until you like beat one, and then you get to the next one or whatever.
2: Yeah. So it's kind of like um, the Hunger Games like almost in the world of The Purge is what it felt like. Yeah. Not as good as either of them, obviously, by far.
1: And they take bets on the uh, contestants each at, e- at each juncture when there's a new... With Skull Money. Mm-hmm. With uh with skeleton doubloons right with with when a new bad guy is switched out from the old one who either died or whatever um they take new bets and there are new odds on each of the characters so like if somebody had like five hundred to one odds as far as winning then maybe if they do really well in the previous one then they'll be down to like fifty to one odds and the, the odds are never interesting really like those odd changes <laughs> uh. It's kind of like a thing that you could have just easily scrapped in editing. Like, even the discussion of odds, it doesn't—I don't think it ever pays off the in any real way. The
2: entire element of the game in general just didn't land, because there was no development with it. There was no—you weren't glimpsed anything. It was just Malcolm McDowell dressed like a uh, French baron in the 1750s. Mm. Uh, and I think Malcolm McDowell knew how flimsy the premise was. So even by Malcolm McDowell standards, he's overacting that bit. right. Uh, and yeah, it's just a lot of very dull imagery that's been done to death. A lot of the same sort of uh, evil, mega rich of The Purge or uh, Hunger Games, or even going back to Eyes Wide Shot. There's a lot of Eyes Wide Shot imagery mm-hmm. in that stuff. And it doesn't develop on any of that imagery. It just sort of takes, which yeah. is kind of a new problem for Rob
1: Zombie. It's not, there's nothing improved whatsoever. It's just cheaper versions of stuff you've seen elsewhere. Also, the cinematography, I think, gets in the way of the majority of the film because my favorite thing as far as Rob Zombie is whenever he pulls the camera back, I like what he does with it. I like his wide shots a lot in all of his stuff, particularly Lords of Salem. I think that probably contributes to why I like Lords of Salem the best is because there are certain wide shots in that that I just think are are tremendous. Um, This movie gets really bogged down by close-ups that are like 25% 25 percent too close to the point where you can't really figure out what's going on when there's horror action taking place like it's just too close that you can't make sense of what's going on there's a there's well it,
2: it couples with editing too that yeah. also uh, the, the editing is never like it's edited like uh, like a first cut you know mm-hmm. it's edited like uh, for those of you who never made a movie when you make a movie you lay together your like assembly cut and it looks like shit because you haven't found the rhythm of the movie yet. Right. So it's basically just like an information based
1: cut. Yeah, this is the laptop cut of it. This is yeah. like first pass on final cut.
2: Yeah, there's no there's no rhythm to the editing and there's no sort of give and take of knowing what information you want at what point. Right. Um there's no there's there's no arc even really.
1: And it doesn't feel tested like it doesn't feel uh like they the thing that people always know that people do with films is they'll do test screenings and they'll figure out all right what 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 played well. I know you did one recently with your own film and I don't know if that helped you or not but it's a thing that people do when they're trying to figure out the rhythm of a film and also what what information needs to be come across that maybe isn't coming across. Right. Cuz cuz you can if you spend years making a film let's say and you do a ton of different cuts you can cut out a piece of information that for you as a as somebody cutting it, it's so second nature to you. And then you forget, like, oh, if somebody's watching it, they need that piece of information. We need to put that back. Or in. the opposite.
2: You, yeah you oversell, which there, happens in this movie a bit. There too. are
1: jumps in time in this film that are really frustrating. Yeah. To the point where, you know, they get out of a scenario and then we jump ahead a couple hours and we have no idea what transpired between that point, Or time. they don't even...
2: Sometimes they don't even get out of scenarios. Right. They're sort of at the tail end of a scenario, and you kind of cut the, the grace notes.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the strongest moments was when they sit down and they actually get to, like, eat something. Yeah, and, I mean,
2: although that went on too long because there was information right. telegraphed very early.
1: But... I think in those moments the movie could have found itself like the, yeah. those kind of downtime moments could have taken a you know a C minus movie and and bumped it up to like a B minus. Yeah. Just because I think that's where the intimacy would have come through or even just like That's it. There's no intimacy.
2: Here.
3: Yeah.
1: That's you got it right there. Yeah, and it just you feel the lack of it and also by the end of it the way that it ends up We just, coming home on the train, we came up with, like, a couple different scenarios as far as, like, the resolution of the film that would have even kind of saved the movie for us. It felt like a movie that was
2: abandoned in concept art. Yeah. Like, it felt like a movie where, like, he came up with, like, cool images he wanted to see and then never found a way to stitch them together. And then the other problem with that is a lot of his cool imagery, almost all of it, is so tired by now. Yeah. I mean, you have uh, the, the super rich dressing like it's France in the 1700s, which everybody's done that now. It's so overdone. And you have um, the evil clown bad guy who keeps giving monologues and slow clapping. And it's just, and this like endless same looking warehouse wherever you go. Oh God, the
1: warehouse. I was more bothered by the clown than the warehouse. I was more bothered by the warehouse, definitely, because this is a movie where if if the premise is it's a game that's being played, why is the the main meat of the game so underdone as far as like setting? Yeah, like, there's no map in the game. Right. It's it's the same, roughly the same warehouse set for the vast majority of the film, and it's like. All right, so I guess they're in a new part of the warehouse now, or they're in a different warehouse, but it all looks the same. Uh, yeah, they're, and they're there's two less-
2: big set pieces where they splurge, right? And those moments, they're they're all right. Mm-hmm. And it didn't it didn't seem like it was like a money thing. Like it, those sets didn't seem to cost any
1: more than anything else. They mm-hmm. were just different stuff. Yeah, when there's good set dressing, the set dressing is quite good. It's just that that's pretty fucking bare and.
2: Yeah, and everything looked. I mean, if I were going to do this movie, if I were set dressing this movie, I would try to make each one of the the villains pieces look different. Exactly. And in this, they all they all looked identical.
1: I mean, we're living in a post Scott Pilgrim world where we know what like a a multiple bosses movie can be like, where each chapter feels like a distinct thing to that specific boss. Why not do something similar where? the setting matches the bad guy and kind of makes the bad guy even more three-dimensional And smaller. Also, ways. can we talk
2: about how terrible the villains were?
1: Yeah. All right, we're going to put in a, a, a kind of a warning right now. We're going to delve into spoilers, but before we delve into spoilers, I just want to sell you on the fact that it's okay to be spoiled by this movie because I don't think this is one that anyone's really going to love. Also, beyond that, there's no big twist we're, we're
2: about to spill. No, Everything this in this movie in, plays out from how the first 10 minutes the movie in your head goes.
1: Yeah, this isn't Sixth sense that we're spoiling. This is just
2: uh the good guys win sort of right. You know, like it, you know exactly how this movie goes.
1: Yeah. So if you're if you're very spoiler sensitive, feel free to turn it off or go to the halfway point so when we start grow talking up about a others. Little, little nerd. Yeah, this one it's okay to be spoiled by this one. So, we're going to go into spoiler stuff now. John, please
2: Okay, so there's a bunch of different uh, bad guys. Uh, the first one is a little, a small person Nazi, mm-hmm. uh, who was not bad. He wasn't bad. He, like re- I, could, I could get in on him. In, he, retrospect,
1: he in retrospect, he was one like, maybe the best, actually no, because I, I like uh, E.G. Daly better. And but. I guess
2: he was like a Venezuelan yeah. Nazi too. You know, he was like a fled Germany Nazi because he would slip into Spanish which was kind of fun like that combination of elements is pretty good. And then there's a scene where the woman is fighting him and they're yelling at each other in Spanish and it's just so unexpectedly like yeah. Like it's a great character it's the, maybe the only character beat in the movie when you find out that like the redneck girl can speak Spanish. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, there's it's a it's an excellent beat that's never repeated in the rest of the film. Yeah,
1: unfortunately.
2: <laughs> so they smoke that dude. Yeah, that's um,
1: that's pretty easy. Yeah. And then
2: the next ones up are two chainsaw clown brothers Mm -hmm. who are like, all right, but they're pretty, they're pretty what's written on the side of the box. You know, they're just chainsaw clown brothers,
1: big beards, big mean clowns. Yeah, whatever image you have in your head of them, it's pretty spot on.
2: But that part's okay-ish because there's two chainsaw fights happening in parallel at the same time, cross cut between, which I liked. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in yeah. for a good chainsaw fight. It got real hard to follow that. It was hard to child. follow, yeah. But the first, maybe two thirds of that chainsaw fight was nice. There's a good that was moment tense.
1: during the, the chainsaw clown brothers part where you got a woman who's in a blow up doll costume, like a, a beat up, raped woman. This sequence was too grim for me, I think. She's inside of a blow-up doll, which I thought was very creative. I've never even thought of that, heard of that, whatever, as far as in a horror movie. I thought somebody inside of a blow-up doll. It was th- super
2: creepy, but that whole bit was way too grim for it me. It was very that dark. was
1: um It was a bit dark for the rest of the movie. I yeah,
2: like. like that was so leering and like uncomfortably like like rapey
1: yeah the images in your head that result from it of like what happened to her it was bad yeah and it's stuff. it's like
2: a comic booky, like campy i mean it's grim for the rest of it but it's like fun grim that right. was like just grim grim that was like a, you wanted an adult on set
1: well the rest se- of sequence the rest of the movie is like something you could show like a 13 or 14 year old who's into horror like it's it's fairly tame as far as horror is concerned except for that moment I think that's probably like a little too much for them. That was too much
2: for me. That was too uh, like real life horrible. Yeah, but points for creativity, I would say. And then next up, well, actually the, the bit about that sequence I liked was they were fighting over whether or not she was a trap. And I mm-hmm. thought that was a, a actually another pretty good character beat. Like yep. the idea of fighting over whether this is a trap is a good thing that not enough horror movies do.
1: And not enough of this movie did.
2: yeah. It, it was like a little glimpse of a better movie, that, that fight. Because then you think, okay, like this could be, like the source of tension in this movie could be this like, and it was sort of an undercurrent through the whole thing, but never explored enough, but this idea of like, how cutthroat can you get to survive something like and this? And how much of a game is this game? Like- yeah, exactly. Which is, they totally, we'll come back to it, but they totally violated that aspect in the last
1: scene. Right. We're talking about like roughly 10 minutes of character stuff within mostly a running around movie. Yeah. It really should have been the other way around. And of
2: course, there's a a first 30 minutes or so where they're not in any danger, and that part, there's no character stuff at all, really. Right.
1: That's totally unexplored. That's just wasted footage, really. Yeah, it's filler. That's empty time. Except for the great moment in the beginning where... E.G. Daly shows up.
2: Yeah, she was the.
1: the she's tremendous.
2: The ace in the
1: hole on this film. She was great in the beginning of the film when you don't know that she's in on the game. And then but she's, you do know. Right. But you're not. But you. But it's then, one of those, yeah. But then when she shows up later on, she's great too. She, I think she's far and away the best thing in the she entire film. She has this film. piece. She
2: shows up when they're like filling up at a gas station at the beginning and she's flirting with. Uh, she's this very pretty blonde woman in, who's in like a, you know, checkered gingham shirt and like the whole uh, 70s southern sex outfit. Yeah. Who's like rolling up on the uh, the Rob Zombie surrogate looking guy and is asking him about where they're going and stuff. And is like slowly leading the questions to find out if they have any guns in the van. Mm-hmm. Which is, a, it was a great little sequence. Yeah. Uh, and you could like watch her her case them and like figure out what it's going to take to 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 kidnap these guys and to kill them or whatever this is a really good little bit it reminded me of devil's rejects that scene mm-hmm. it was this five minutes that was really terrific
1: and she by the way if you don't know her by name she's she was Dottie in Pee Wee's big adventure and she's done tons of voices she's i think she was bubbles on powerpuff girls she was tommy on uh, rugrats she's She's a very well known as a um, a voice actress, but she gives it that kind of voice too yeah and it it's really effective especially it was kind of unnerving when she's ultimately screaming for her life towards the end of the film and in my head I could picture Tommy Pickles <laughs> screaming for his life dying That was a little unnerving because her voice is naturally kind of babyish similar to that but yeah she was she was tremendous. I thought. It made me want to see her in way more stuff like I hope this yeah. is her doing more things now
2: then she shows up later and it's her playing sex and this big blonde German dude playing death and I didn't think this piece worked at all but no. I didn't think it was her fault I thought uh, they were basically just like two unrelated people in white uniforms um and the the big German guy, they never shot him well, so
1: he never felt that big. I didn't buy their their dynamic or relationship or anything.
2: Yeah, it just it didn't work. And then she's essentially dressed as Harley Quinn, yep. which is the first of several instances where this movie just became Suicide Squad. And I avoided so hard having to see fucking Suicide Squad. And then I feel like Rob Zombie ambushed me with it. Yeah. Which I don't appreciate. Cause she had like this the Harley Quinn hair and everything, and she was doing that kind of voice, and it was like it, it didn't work for me at all. Not good.
1: So we should, I guess, kind of wrap this up by flash-forwarding to the ending because the ending was really unsatisfying for both of us. And the big
2: bad guy, yeah, was the worst character in the movie. Yeah, and he's who we spend the most time with. It's Jared Leto as the Joker, basically. Yeah, he's in. He's he's got the white face paint. He's a skinny guy. He's in a in a like tapered waistcoat and dressed like a like a grungy clown. Uh, You know, like no shirt with a tapered waistcoat over it and like a scarf and his hair is slicked back like Jared Leto. And he keeps giving these long monologues about how sick the world is. And he's got his switchblades and he stands in the corners of places slow clapping. And it was just, it's been done to death and then brought back to life and done to death again. Like he was like a character invented by a 15 year old in the 90s. Yeah, (laughs) Like
1: it was Rough. And then the way that the movie resolves after the climax is Sherry Moon's army escapes. She's the she's the survivor. What
2: happens is it spits in the face of its own premise. Because the mm-hmm. premise is you have twelve hours, and if you survive twelve hours, you're free.
1: I believe it was 14 hours. Oh, ah, yes, yes, my bad. 14. Big difference. And the whole thing
2: is like nobody has ever done it before. Yeah. So uh the 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 guys betting on everything, their their little subplot, which is it never amounts to anything. It's like, oh, what do we do if somebody wins. Oh, we don't know. We've never been there. So then uh stupid Jared Leto Joker is about to stab Sherry Moon and there's an announcement on the thing yelling uh put down your weapons. Uh she won the the end yeah. of this. And then um they're they're like all oh, and uh Jared Leto Joker's like God damn, it, I'm so impressed. You win. Urgh. And he walks out of the room because he he's like a work a day guy. Like right. they set up the whole time that these are just like hired hands. Yeah. Like you see the guy get the job offer.
1: Yeah, he's a freelancer. They set it up clearly as that he just gets the call and he's like, all right, I'm coming in I, to work, He I calls guess. it work. Yeah, yeah, he's
2: he's banging this girl and, and he has to stop and he's like, oh, sorry, it's work. It's business. And it's like a whole big work thing. Yeah. So he shows up and you're like, oh, this is his job, which is sort of one of the more interesting aspects of it. So then he like loses at the end and it, and um, he goes away. And there's this like shot of Sherry Moon zombie and you hear Malcolm McDowell talking and they're like, Well, what do we do with her now that she survived? Because nobody else survived. And he's like, Oh, we'll think of something. Yeah. So what was the ending you thought it was gonna be?
1: Now I thought it was gonna be, and I think you were there too, which is well, she's we should set up she's walking down the road, she's all fucked up, she's covered in blood, she's like barely like on her feet. She's just trying to make it her way down the road. A van comes up behind her. Who gets out but fucking Switchblade Leto guy? And I thought it was gonna be that he just fucking like offers her like a ride because you know leave work at work and we're we're in civilization now. Like let's you know. I was
2: getting ready to laugh at the scene that was about to come, where he like gives her a ride to the next bus station. Yeah, because they set it up so hard that it's gonna be something like that. What happens is it's so like operatically like evil. The whole scene that you like, oh, this has to be like a twist. Like they have to turn this around because there's no way they're setting up this for so long is just going to be he's evil and kills her. And then that's what they do. Right. The last fucking shot is him smiling like Jared Leto with a switchblade in his hand. Horrible. Yeah. And he goes to kill her. And you're like, well, that the entire fucking premise was built around it not being this kind of a killer.
1: Yeah, it's it reminded me of I forget which Saw movie it is, but I was talking about this with Brad where there's a there's a Saw movie where the first trap in it, as you're watching it, you're like, wait a second, that guy didn't really have a chance. And it becomes an issue later on where you find out it's not a Jigsaw trap. It's one of Jigsaw's protégés. And then Jigsaw is like chewing out one of his protégés because he's like, no, the whole point is they have to have a chance to get out like it has to be possible for them to get out if otherwise you just like you know killing them you know it's not a saw trap it takes the whole game out of the game if after the game is over you can still just get killed by one of the fucking bad guys in the game that's so stupid
2: yeah it's it's idiotic it it ruins the setup which was on shaky foundation to begin with right and it just yanks it right out from under it and, we even, and there were so many other endings it could have been i thought yeah. first i thought When Malcolm McDowell was like, "Oh, we'll figure out something to do with her," he was going to like recruit her to be a killer in the next year's event. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that's another out for it. Yeah, yeah,
2: there were so many like endings. It was a movie that that built a lot of possible
1: endings. We even came up with a third ending, which was in the beginning. You got a lot of characters in that van with them. And we we right away, we scrap like three or four, which some of them die in the dark and we can't even tell who died or who lived or whatever. But there's there was a kind of interesting character who's getting banged in the back of the van, this lady. A lot of people introduced getting banged. She we never see her die. So another possible ending could have been that Cherry Moon makes her way all the way back to the van and the lady's just there in the van, like waking up like, yeah, she slept like 14 hours or something. And she's just coming too, and she's like, she sees Sherry Moon covered in blood. I would have liked to see, like, oh wow, that lady just totally slept through all of this. That would have been another good ending.
2: Yeah, there were so many options that were more in the spirit of the like sardonic film that it was. Mm-hmm. But this had the fanfiction.com ending. Yeah. You know, this had the the uh, creepy pasta ending where it's oh the scary guy's still there and he's apparently still uh evil, even, even though work's over. Yeah, it's so of dumb. Like, it, it spit all over the movie. It, it contributed to this feeling that the movie felt abandoned halfway through production. Yeah, it doesn't you know?
1: have the care of a Halloween Two or a Lords of Salem or a Devil's Rejects.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't have the excuse of inexperience of, say, a house of a thousand corpses. Right. It's very, it's bafflingly bad. It, it's uh it's bad in a way that it feels like something went wrong behind the scenes. Uh, who knows what? Who knows what? But you know what I mean? Like it feels yeah. it feels like one of those movies where like it somehow just was abandoned or changed. Like halfway did the through. budget
1: get cut in half like right before they were supposed to do yeah. it. You never know what it could have been.
2: Yeah, it feels like one of those movies that had a story for why it, it didn't work. Yeah. Because it didn't work in such a unusual, unforced error kind of ways. Mm. Also, there's like four black guys in the movie, like middle-aged black men, which is cool because that's like a group yep. you don't ever really see in a movie. And then one by one, they're the first ones killed.
1: So awful. Just I mean, unreal. Good performances out of these guys, too. Like, they, I would have wanted to see some of them, if not most of them, make it through a lot of the film. They would have been interesting, but weird. Weird. Yeah, we lose two, like, right away. It's so strange. Yeah. And then uh, the the whole idea
2: of it being a van of like eight people, and then they steal five and kill the rest. It just like it means the first half hour is so unfocused because you're dealing with all these characters that are just muddying it up.
1: And they're all kind of carny.
2: Yeah, There's no that's variety. the other thing. Yeah. The bad guys and the good guys are the same type of person, which when you say it out loud sounds like an interesting commentary, <laughs> right. but I don't think it is. I no. think it's just that's all that was in Rob Zombie's repertoire. Like it was a movie that needed squares.
1: You needed them, you needed like, I guess, three people in the van. They pick up like two hitchhikers and then that's your five... For the film, so that way the hitchhikers are different. Maybe they're the squares that are with the three carny types. Yeah, that way you get a little variety or something.
2: Yeah, because this was like five sleazy carnies versus like five sleazier
1: carnies that all listen to the same music. Yes, and all grew up around the same time period. All
2: wear the same pants. (laughs) Exactly.
1: All right. So I think we're just about done talking about 31 so the final verdict is you can skip this one and you will forget that we even talked about it because i i'm convinced if i bring up this movie in two years nobody will have any idea what i'm talking about i'll say rob zombies 31 i'll be like remember that movie 31 he did and people will think i'm i'm losing my mind even
2: the title is a working title yeah (laughs) the game is just called 31 i guess for the 31 days of halloween maybe but i don't like they play it for 14 hours it's five people
1: (laughs) there's a lot of numbers involved in the game and none of them are 31 it should have been called 14 or something i don't know like it should have corresponded to the hours anyway dumb movie uh i give it i'm gonna give it like a two and a half out of five
2: yeah i think i'm two
1: yeah all right so that's the verdict and uh we got more to talk about i promise and it won't have anything to do with uh rob zombies 31 so stick around we'll be right back
0: And now, Smug Film Presents, Robot Reenactments.
3: Dead I am the one, exterminating sun. Slipping through the trees, strangling the breeze. Dead I am the sky, watching angels cry. While they slowly turn, conquering the worm. Dig through the ditches. And burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my Dragula. Dig through the ditches. Burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my Dragula. Dead I am the pool, spreading from the fool. Weak and want you need, nowhere as you bleed. Dead I am the rat, feast upon the cat. Tender is the fur, dying as you purr. Dig through the ditches, and burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my Dragula. Dig through the ditches, and burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my Dragula. Do it baby, do it baby. Do it baby, do it baby. Burn like an animal. Dead I am the life, dig into the skin. Knuckle crack the bone, 21 to win. Dead I am the dog, hound of hell you cry. Devil on your back, I can never die. Dig through the ditches. And burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my Dragula. Dig through the ditches. And burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my. Dragula. Do it baby, do it baby. Do it baby, do it baby. Burn like an animal. Dig through the ditches. And burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my. Dragula. Dig through the ditches. And burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my. Dragula. Dig through the ditches. And burn through the witches. I slam in the back of my Dragula.
0: This has been a robot reenactment. Hello, Smug Film fans. Leave us a question or a comment for Smug Film to play on the show by calling the following voicemail number 718 395 9711. Once again, that's 718-395-9711. We look forward to hearing from you, you lovely, lovely people.
3: Hello, I am the hunky Smug Film Sponsor Plugman. I'm here to tell you about the fine people who support the Smug Film Podcast through Patreon. You all should check out Bobby Slow on Twitter, he's a very funny and good man who tweets funny and good things and is worthy of your love. And he has a really good Twitter ratio of followers to following. That's impressive. Once again, that's Bobby Slow on Twitter. You should also check out Minor Key Games. Go on over to MinorKeyGames.com and check out these awesome computer games made by David and Kyle Pittman. Two brothers that make great video games with an old school feel. Cody hates new video games for the most part, but he enjoys the heck out of these. Once again that's minorkeygames.com. Also, be sure to check out Room Full of Spoons, Rick Harper's documentary about the cult classic film The Room. It's a great documentary that we all love here at Smug Film, and go to roomfullofspoons.com to find out when it's coming to your city. Thank you for listening to my hunky voice, and thank you all who had donated to the show. And if you would like to be plugged on the show, please head on over to patreon.com slash smugfilm and donate. And now, back to the episode.
1: And we are back and uh, we kind of have to talk about the trailers we saw before this movie because it is not a good time for movies as far as like, I should say, it's not a good time for horror right now because we're seeing the trailers for the stuff that wasn't good enough to come out in October. Yeah. So these are the, the horror the movies. The caveat is
2: 2016, which was maybe the worst year for movies in general, right. since like O2 was one of the best years for horror. We should say that off the bat, right? Okay. You agree with that?
1: Yeah, it was It was a good year.
2: I think it was a really good year for horror. I think especially because the rest of the, the movies were so bad, horror was doing more than its job to hold up the and state of And apparently,
1: you know, the second Ouija movie is... is supposedly really really good so it's going out with a bang so to speak that said that said we're seeing now trailers for stuff that was so bad it didn't make the cut before halloween like none of these are coming out pre-october 31st so these are the movies they're going to throw out there against star wars because they need to send something to the to the theater we're seeing like december 9th kind of like release dates for these horror films and these are these are literally the
2: programming against. This is like when the Super Bowl is on and everybody
1: else just does reruns. <laughs> yeah, this is what's playing on Sci-Fi channel while the Super Bowl is going on or something. Yeah. So we have the first one was The Bye Bye Man, which is not a 90s R&B album as I'm <laughs> sure you think it is. Right. It feels al- I mean that title is almost like a like a rap concept album like horror mashup uh like a Yeah, like a, like a DMX. Yeah, like DMX's is, is his like horror concept album, The Bye Bye Man. Or See, I'm something.
2: I'm picturing Luther Vandross in the music video. There's candles in a bedroom that doesn't have any other furniture other than a bed with maroon sheets. Uh-huh. That's The Bye Bye Man to me. That's the direction. And a guy enjoying. in a black suit
1: with a red tie singing. See, I was picturing more like a like a new line horror like Oh, hip- like a
2: Candyman knockoff? Yeah,
1: like a hip hop like concept album tie-in, uh, mid '90s thing. Maybe with Ernest Dickerson as like the director or something. Yeah, like, yeah, like Bones era. Yeah, <laughs> I could really see that. Yeah. That would be the Bye Bye Man, like Demon Knight era Ernest Dickerson. Yeah, and um, and
2: it would be like all guys who. We're either famous 15 years earlier, or we're going to be famous in three years. Right. Most people would be nobody, but you would get two. <laughs> two people you'd know of would be in the Bye Bye Man. So
1: what Bye Bye Man actually is, is it's a Slender Man kind of knockoff mixed with what, what else? I would say it's 50% exactly like
2: a boardroom meeting must have happened about this, because it is 50% The Babadook and 50% It Follows. It opens with Babadook drawings, and it's about a Babadook monster in a Babadook-looking house, but it follows you the whole time right. when you think about it. and What's just, a shame is the concept is yeah. actually not bad. If you think about this thing or say its name, it starts to hunt you. And the yeah. more you think about it, the more it's after you. That's fine. Not bad.
1: We, we've worked with less. But we can't stress this enough. This is like... It's like that scene in Apollo 13 where we have to make something that fits into this with nothing but that. <laughs> it's it's as though a guy just comes into a room like full scientist and puts down a DVD of Baba Duke, a DVD of It follows. <laughs> we got this, we got this. We need to combine these two so that we can do that, and we have like seven days. And send them to the teens <laughs> yeah. because it's more...
2: It looks like it's for the teens. Very
1: teen-oriented, also very... Teen lit, you know? Cre- creepy pasta kind of vibe too where my whole thing with creepypasta too if an idea is good enough you keep it to yourself you don't just fucking dissipate it on the internet the way that creepypasta is dissipated these creepypasta things man it just pisses me off that people get so into them because it's never good enough it's all these like scrapped ideas like if you're a everything is a
2: first draft yeah it's creative it's the the curse of people being able to release their first
1: drafts to the world bingo it's these creative people, sure, who are just these are the ideas that they're not precious about. Whenever I have like a really fucking good idea or a premise something, I'm keeping it to my fucking chest. I want it out when it's done and it's perfect. I don't want to just fucking dissipate it to like people. You don't want it to be people. 31. Right. Anyway, that's my creepypasta thing. If you're if you're sending it to people on a message board, it's not good enough. <laughs> um <laughs> so bye-bye, man. When they revealed the t- the name of the film at the end. That was that was a very strange moment. It reminded
2: me of uh do you remember years ago there was a vampire versus werewolf movie out in theaters <laughs> very glossy very uh you know teen oriented uh yes. end of the year sort of creepy vampire werewolf movie all sorts of dark proclamations in the trailers yes. and you know like a You know, like an intense trailer with these good-looking ladies being chased by these things and these their handsome boyfriends who, you know, are going to die in the third act and blah, 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 blah. And then the screen goes black and the title comes up. And this was back in the days when the narrators said the titles of the movies as they came up, which they don't do anymore, probably because it was so laughable. So the title comes up and it's Blood and Chocolate. And it ends. That's what the Bye Bye Man reminded
1: me of. Yes. Because they kind of hide the fact that they have such a shit title. Oh, yeah. The the majority of the trailer, they're like, we better keep this information. But then the evil twist
2: is when you learn the title. Like, it's presented as like a scary bit bit of information in it. bye-bye man. Which I can't help but notice sort of rolls off the tongue like the Babadook.
1: yeah. I fu- you, I'm fucking on to you. Know it, you know? I see your goddamn. I see your game here. So then we had we had kind of like a good moment, which is all of a sudden we're looking at Mila Jovovich and Paul Paul W S Anderson. Oh, this was so sweet. This was one of the most genuinely heartfelt and beautiful moments I've had in the theater in quite a while. Which is they just come on screen in chairs and they're like, "Hey guys, we just want to thank you because we've been making all these Resident Evils and people have been liking them and." Now we're making the last one, and we, we hope you really like it, because we have fun making them, and it's the last one, and now we're going to show you the trailer for it, and we hope you like it. It was the sweetest thing I've ever
2: seen. Yeah, I was about to cry. It was, it was lovely. It made me—I haven't seen any of the Resident Evils except for the first one, yeah. about when it came out, but this like heartfelt little couple's moment— to their audience, made me like want to be a part of that audience. It made like me, now, I want to watch the Resident Evils.
1: I felt like remiss in my duties that I hadn't seen the other ones. Like I felt like, oh no, I haven't seen them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. I didn't know you didn't know. Which I'm going to announce now. We're just going to do it. We're going to watch. Yeah, we're going to watch the Resident Evils. All the Resident Evils, and then we're going to see the seventh one in series and in, in theaters. We're we're so. going to
2: do an episode also where we make predictions about what they're going to be like just yep. based off of the seven titles. Absolutely.
1: But uh, yeah, we saw the trailer and it looked fine. You know, it looked. I didn't know it, what was going on, but it looked like the last movie in a series. Yeah, it probably won't be the best one in the series. I'm sure. You know, our 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 guess. Just, just these aren't our final predictions. This is the thumbnail subway yeah. ride guess. Subway ride guess. Three and four are the worst. Five and six are the best. Five being the best. Yeah. I think one and five are probably yeah. the best. Mm-hmm. We, I'm basically picturing
2: the the Fast and the Furious right. arc, where you have one that's really good, and then two and three are dip, or no wait, two and three are are good. Two, two some is, people say is better than one. Yeah, two is people good. fight over it. Three and, and then four, three is and the four dip. are the dip. Yeah. yeah, and then five is like the return to the basics one, which is probably the best or the second best, and then six is. Like five, but not quite as good. Right, and then seven is they're sort of going out on a sentimental high, but it's more sentimental than it is really good. Mm-hmm. Probably like top forty percent is is seven. So know? yeah,
1: we're we're hooked. We're after seeing them talk, we 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 just need to see these movies. It so, was just so nice. It was so beautiful. It was so refreshing. Um, and then, oh my god, this trailer. For this one that's coming out in December, this horror movie with Aaron Eckhart, which... That poor son of a bitch. The premise for this one, they spell it right out. And the trailer must have been like 30 seconds or like a minute. Or yeah, something. this felt like a TV
2: spot. Like it felt like they couldn't afford to run an actual trailer. Yeah. So they ran a TV spot. It was so uh weirdly shitty trailery that I actually thought it was for a TV show at first. Yeah. Because it looks like a TV show. It it feels structured like a TV show. And the like, premise, they give you so much information so quickly instead the, of
1: scenes. They spell it out right away, which is, he's talking, it's Aaron Harkar talking about, you know, I don't exercise people like normal like normal exorcists. I go into their brains, and, and I, I go into their minds. And also, it,
2: a world apparently just flooded with demon-possessed people. <laughs> right. But they blow past that element of the story. Yeah.
1: That he can make a living from this and has the equipment to do it, etc. Yeah. Yeah, he apparently goes in... It's like the cell where he goes into somebody's mind and he has to kind of fix them from inside. Which, I don't know, if you're exercising somebody... The last person I want to be in is in the exercisee's mind. I I would prefer to do it from outside in. I would think you would get better results from outside in. Yeah. Because you could, you know, you have your your
2: church accoutrement that you can bring on board, you can bring to bear.
1: Yeah. I don't know,
2: can you bring crosses into the... Into the brain? I wouldn't think so. No. Man, I don't know what the hell you do. That was the whole <laughs> basis of their setup.
1: Yeah. So this one's called Incarnate. And I want to specify that the T in Incarnate is a cross. It's yep, a light exactly up. Yeah, exactly like that movie Priest. It's a light up glowing red cross. I think did
2: Constantine also do that? Probably. Every one of those movies. Anyone with a T in it, they did the
1: cross thing.
2: I'm convinced they picked that title because it had a T in it, and it was a T that was in a dramatic spot to be across. Mm -hmm. Because that title doesn't mean a
1: goddamn thing. Ugh, yeah, that was uh, that might have been worse than Bye Bye Man. Which one would you see if if it was between Bye Bye Man and and, and Incarnate? If you had to see Bye Bye Man, yeah, I would go with Bye Bye Man too. Incarnate was, um, I'm telling you, like it was weird.
2: Like it felt like a television. A a TV spot for the third season of a TV show you've never seen, you know, like the presumption of so much information
1: (laughs) and the presumption that you were already on board. Yep. Weird. Weird, bad. And poor Aaron Eckhart, because I think he was pretty damn strong in the 90s and I don't know what the fuck happened, but... Man, between like I, Frankenstein, and this, and a couple others, it's been it's been hard years. It's not been good years for Aaron Eckhart, and he's a competent actor. He deserves better. He does fine, but yeah, since since that Batman movie,
2: it's been nothing but a hard road for Aaron yeah. Eckhart.
1: All right, so let's let's end on a lighter note. Let's end on a positive note because you recently saw the new Godzilla movie, Shin Godzilla, and it's good, huh? I really liked Shin Godzilla
2: slash Godzilla it. Resurgence. Um I got to hear about this. The thing about it is it's a movie that like it's guaranteed nobody's landing in the middle on it. Right. It's very strange and you're either you're into the way it's strange or you hate the way it's strange. It reminds me of Godzilla versus Hedorah, which if you're a Godzilla dude, you know is that same sort of like, like it doesn't play by the rules of the other Godzilla That's movies. It's the smog monster. Yeah, the smog yeah. monster, where in the middle of the movie, it turns into a cartoon for like five minutes because they can't afford the sequence they want to do. Right. You know, there's a lot of just like fun, wacky stuff going on in Hedorah. And this had that same feel. It's intentionally supposed to look like 1960s era effects. So it's CGI built to look like man in a suit stuff. That's pretty cool. And they shoot the... Um, the tanks and everything and all the artillery and everything, they shoot them at that same high, slightly tilted angle that you shoot models at. Nice. It's really cool. Yeah, like all the all the human stuff is shot like it's still models, even though it's not, which gives you this fun sort of dissonance. Um, and then on top of that, there's just a lot packed into it. The first half hour is one of the strangest half hours of filming I think I've ever seen. And it's... Um, it's so refreshing to see a half hour of filmmaking that cares that little about getting the entire audience on it. Hmm. So it starts with Godzilla like emerging uh, immediately onto Tokyo, uh, and it intercuts that footage, uh, his damage and his attack and everything. And there's a twist to how it happens, so I'm not going to say too much about his attack. Okay. But they they intercut his attack with um, these like never ending conferences in, like, uh, the the Japanese State Department and, like, the Tokyo, like, municipalities. And you just watch these, like, conference after conference after conference trying to figure out who to involve in the meetings Hmm. and, like, where to have the meetings about Godzilla and, like, what to call this thing that's happening and, like, what agency does this fall under. All the while, Tokyo is being ravaged. And then in the end, he just returns back to the sea. And it was apparently, they're like, it was two hours and all we did was have meetings about it. Right. So that's like the setup for the rest of the movie. They like they realize how slow their d- disaster management is. Hmm. which But it's so funny. It's like intercutting like a West Wing episode with a Godzilla movie. <laughs> it is so funny. It's so, like it, they keep the joke going for so much longer than you expect. Right. Every time. And it worked for me every time it worked. And then... It's really interesting because the original Godzilla, as everybody knows, and if you haven't seen 1954 Godzilla, just fucking do it. It's yeah. also nothing like any of the other ones. It's a very different movie from what you're expecting. It is a dark and sad and, and electrifying movie about dealing with the effects of Hiroshima, the, that original one. So if that's the Hiroshima movie, uh, this one is the Fukushima movie, mm. which is really an interesting approach. Because that's where that first half hour of like disaster management comes into play. It's all about realizing like how slow their response to crises are. And it's all about worrying about like the nuclear cloud of Godzilla, like when he breathes fire. Right. Like they have these scenes where they're watching the wind blow the nuclear uh, waste from that, like across the countryside. And they're like waiting to see if it's going to go into the water or if it's going to blow into the cities. Uh, and there's a lot of this, like, really fraught, like, very contemporary—it's um, Almost, it's almost like a FEMA horror movie, you know? Mm. Uh, it's about, like, not—like, all this stuff is about, like, when is when are they allowed to shoot Godzilla? Like, when is it politically appropriate? Because they have their self-defense force, they don't have an army, and um, the self-defense force has never been used before. It's a real fact, the self-defense force has never been mobilized before. Mm. So they mobilize it so nobody knows the rules of engagement and they have to worry about what the Americans want and what the French want. And it's just all this stuff that you never, this like structural stuff you never see in a monster movie. But it's all done for comedy, not for drama. Right. Which is really an interesting approach. Like it's it's like a like a deadpan horror comedy about like Katrina or Fukushima. Or, uh, you know, like the earthquake in Haiti, one of these terrible disasters where we just like, we can't fucking get our shit together. Mm. I really, I really enjoyed it. How does how does he look? How's Godzilla looking at it? He looks different from scene to scene. There's stuff in it about him growing. Mm. So he looks different as it goes on, which they do some interesting stuff with. Um, some of his versions I liked more than others. I think his tail was too long and weird and I didn't like it. Uh his face was nice. He had a nice Godzilla face. So he wasn't the same model as the
1: original. No. They didn't go back in that regard. He
2: had much thicker thighs. <laughs> he had a fat ass at Godzilla. I'll mm. say that. Yeah. Thick um, Godzilla. Yeah. He was he was he was thick. Mm. Uh yeah, I mean, it's that type of thing where like I feel like the original Godzilla was such a good design that playing with it at all is sort of a way to just inherently make it worse.
1: Well, it's it's like if they had hit it perfect like two or three films in they probably would have just kept to the same model but because they hit yeah. it perfect the first one then they're just going to keep changing it up when they shouldn't. It's like with um it's like with Jason and Friday the 13th. Like they didn't settle on the the iconic Jason thing until like the third one yeah, and the, then they, the hockey mask. Yeah and then they kept to it. If they had se- done it in the first one, who knows if they had, they would have kept to it. They but. might have gotten
2: bored with it, yeah. They yeah. might have played with the look of it. But yeah, uh, or, or it's like the Enterprise where when they brought Star Trek back because it was a new generation of right. Star Trek, this new one, they felt the need to change the look of the Enterprise. And like that original Enterprise was designed so well that everything they did just made it kind of look worse. Yeah. Like it has those big nacelles in the front. They essentially did the same thing to this, like how in the new Star Treks, they thickened the front of the nacelles. In this, they just thickened his thighs, mm. and they made his tail longer. Too long and too blunt. He was kind of gross. I mean, what was cool was they made him gross. He was like a gross monster in
1: this. Doesn't he have, like, red spots on him?
2: Yeah. They go for this, like, burn victim look with him, uh, which is cool. They, they pull that off well. It makes me very uncomfortable, but, like, in a good way. Hmm. Like he's he it looks like it hurts to be Godzilla. So this one's doing well, right? Uh as far as I know, I mean I saw it in the city. It's another limited engagement. Um, but unlike 31, this was a packed theater I went to. I like to hear that. A lot of guys in Godzilla shirts, actually. Hmm. Like he he still packs them in, Godzilla. Yeah. That's why he's a king of the monsters. Last one I saw in theaters was uh
1: I guess Godzilla two thousand. You didn't see the uh Gareth Edwards one? No, I saw that on DVD. I I, I hated that one. I, it was very boring. You know who's got the new one, right? You know who just got announced as a new one? Who? The Trick or Treat guy. He's doing Godzilla too. I didn't love Trick or Treat. I love Trick or Treat. I, I, eh, it didn't do much for me. I'm I'm holding out hope because I, I fucking love Trick or Treat.
2: Well, uh, Gareth Edwards, I mean, Rogue One looks like it's going to be great. Yeah. Like, everything I see from Rogue One is really amazing. So maybe mm-hmm. he's just better suited to that kind of a world. Could be. Because, uh, yeah, you know what? The big problem with his Godzilla was there was so little Godzilla in it. But, like, that's almost what you want from a Star Wars movie. You know, you don't want two hours of the Death Star blowing up planets. You want the looming threat.
1: Right. Yeah, and the cast in Rogue One looks pretty fucking good. Spectacular
2: cast. Yeah. Ghost
1: Dog. Come on. Yeah. Hip, hip Man and the Ghost wits, Dog. The yeah, what a cast. What come a on. cast. Alright, so that about wraps it up. Basically, skip 31 and I guess you're throwing your, uh, your recommendation behind Shin Godzilla.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed Shin Godzilla. I also think um, it's a fun one to watch in a theater because so many, everybody's response is going to be so different and you get to spend like two hours trying to figure out how to feel about what you're watching, right. which is always the most fun to do in a theater. It's a very, like, mercurial
1: theater movie. And, of course, please go out and see Incarnate, and please go out to see Bye-Bye uh, Man, which looked fantastic. And Yeah, we, the Bye-Bye the Man. We can't say enough good things about Bye-Bye Man and Incarnate. I think we've said them all already. The those... best
2: films of
1: 1994 and 2003, respectively. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting, like high 95 percentile on Rotten Tomatoes for both of those. I think those are going to do tremendously well. And I think even maybe Oscars might be in order. So uh, definitely check those two out. Thank you all for listening. See you soon.